0: This is uh, Pentecost weekend, and uh, those of you that are familiar by reading the scriptures, and I'm sure most of you do, uh, know that 10 days before Pentecost came, 120 were meet- gathering together for prayer. And so, in keeping with that, we have uh, scheduled, even though it's a long weekend, we would have normally put it on a different weekend, but, uh, but in keeping with the Pentecost theme, uh, we 've scheduled a prayer summit for tonight, as you saw in the announcements, and let me just encourage you to come it 's one of the real highlights for southland and I believe God does tremendous things not only in the prayer summits but through the prayer summits for our church so uh, that 's tonight six o 'clock to eight thirty and i 'm really looking forward to it well, as i said it 's Pentecost weekend and a celebration of when Jesus poured out the promised Holy Spirit from heaven and uh, it's very interesting to me that, uh, and I was just uh, I was just glancing at that as we were worshiping. and It was just a wonderful time of worship again, wasn't it? Oh, that was talk about spirit filled worship. That was spirit filled worship. But uh, as we were worshiping, I just love to be here because I get to be in all four services. So in some of them, I, in a couple of them, I'll, I'll sit and I'll, I'll just soak it in as uh, as I'm waiting to come up. But uh, you know, it says in uh, in in the Gospel of John. In Jesus' day, they had a little bit of a problem. And uh, the religious leaders uh, of the day said, the only father we have is God himself. And they absolutely would not accept Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. We don't mean second in hierarchy, but uh, another person of the Trinity. And uh, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. And they ignored him. So in that generation, they were having a problem where uh, they wanted to accept the Father, the one part of the Trinity, uh, the one person of the Trinity, but they didn't want to accept the second person of the Trinity, which was the Son. And in today, in today's generation, I fear that at least in the West, we are in danger of doing the exact same thing, only Jesus has now ascended into heaven, and He poured out His Spirit at Pentecost, and we're in danger now of ignoring the third person of the Trinity, who is the Holy Spirit. So I think it's a God-honoring thing that uh, we have this series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and that we are focusing on the Holy Spirit. And I don't make any apologies for it. Amen? Amen? Yes. He is equal with Jesus the Son and God the Father. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we're not ashamed of Him. And He has a rightful place here at Southland. So... Today we're going to, uh, and one, one of the uh, activities that we've been talking about of the Holy Spirit has been the distribution of the gifts, and we're not done yet, but today I want to because it's exactly Pentecost weekend, I want to focus on several other activities of the Holy Spirit uh, before we continue with the spiritual gifts, and they all link, it all links together anyway. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Before we do, let's just go to prayer. Let's put out our hands in in an act of humility, saying we're like little children. We're coming to you, God, and and, uh, see our hands. See if they're clean, just like uh, parents do with children. Uh, Let's just uh, let him examine our hands and examine our hearts to see if there's something that needs to be changed in our lives. Uh, Father, we just want to thank you by your Spirit for this special weekend in which we honor not only God the Father and God the Son, but God the Holy Spirit. We confess we've neglected you, Holy Spirit. We confess that we have made the same error that they made in Jesus' day about the Son. Uh, But as you know, we have formally welcomed you here at Southland and we are growing in our appreciation and knowledge of and, uh, and about you. And so we ask you again, humbly, to replace our ideas and thoughts about you with the thoughts and ideas that you have. And then we want you to change not only our thinking, but our, our living in accordance in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So we honor you this morning and we welcome you here. Blessed Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Now one of The first activity we want to look at Uh, that the Holy Spirit does in addition to distributing spiritual gifts is he baptizes people in the Spirit. Or Jesus uh, baptized in the Spirit. So the baptism of the Spirit. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them And rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Old Testament had looked forward to a time when a greater empowering of the Holy Spirit would reach to all of God's people. Oh, there was a smattering of the Spirit on different leaders in, uh, in special cases. You know, the power of the Holy Spirit was upon the ministry of Elijah and Elisha, and then some of the kings and some of the great leaders of Israel, and so on. But the Old Testament was looking ahead to a time when the Holy Spirit would be given uh, not only to a few of them. In fact... Uh, Moses wished it, perhaps, prophetically in Numbers chapter 11, verse 29, when he said, I wish that all God's people were prophets. He wished that the Spirit would come on all of them. And the Old Testament, uh, in places like Joel, which we're going to read uh, in just a moment, but also in Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah, they're full of prophecies predicting the day when the holy spirit would be for all believers not for not just for select ones in a very special unique outpouring and we'll look at the joel one uh, in particular right now it says i will pour out my spirit on all people your sons and daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams your young men will see visions even on my servants both men and women i will pour out my spirit in those days Then came John the Baptist. He was the last in the order of the Old Testament prophets, and uh, and John the Baptist who uh, came in the in the Holy Spirit of Elijah. Then it says, uh, that's why it says uh, he you know he was called Elijah, referring to the fact that he came with that same Spirit anointing that Elijah had. And he heightened the expectations of this outpouring that they had talked about and waited for and looked for and prayed for and yearned for. When he predicted in John 1, he said, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes. He said in another passage, There is one who is coming whose strap of sandal I am not worthy to unloose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In the life of Jesus, we first see this new covenant power of the Holy Spirit at work. So that's the next place we see this development, this historical development uh, in redemption of this thing of the Holy Spirit. And we see it in the life of Jesus. It says, and Jesus, what? Full of the... Yeah, here we go. And Jesus full of the holy spirit returned from the jordan and was led by the spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil he not only overcame great temptation in the power of the holy spirit he also taught in holy spirit so we know that he was then led by the spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted uh, mercilessly by the enemy and we see that because he was filled with the Holy Spirit he was able to overcome temptation that's instructive for us amen that means if that's how he overcame temptation then that's how we need to overcome temptation by the filling and power of the Holy Spirit but he also used it for we see it in his in in his life of teaching and in his healing and in casting demons uh, out by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Luke is just full of these examples. Continually looking at the Holy Spirit. Luke wrote Luke and he wrote Acts. And so you see this, this emphasis on the Holy Spirit in both books. And Jesus promised his disciples that they they too would receive this Holy Spirit in a fuller way too. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. To be, and we're going to look at that word in in just a little bit, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth. The Helper is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He, what? Helps me. Help me, I mean, dwells with you and and will be in you. <clears throat> Jesus was saying this. And we know in John chapter 20, Jesus, it says, He, he, he breathed on His disciples and He said, Receive the Holy Spirit. We see that uh, when the disciples were with Him, He sent them out to do some ministry. They were healing the second casting out demons and preaching the gospel and those sorts of things. And they did it by the power of the Spirit. But what they had evidently wasn't the full deal. It was a foretaste of what was coming. He just breathed on them, and he said, but, but before he left, even though he had breathed the Holy Spirit on them, he still said to them, I want you to go, to, just before he sent it, he said, in Acts chapter 1, verse 4-5, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to what? Wait. I want you to wait, and they did. For 120 of them, as I said before, waited in prayer for 10 days, and then, right on the Old Testament Feast of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came with power. But it w- uh, so what they had was simply a a taste, a foretaste of that. And when it came, Peter could tell the difference. Peter, who had already had the Spirit breathed on him and had experienced some of the results. Of, of the Holy Spirit anointing on him could tell the difference between that and what came at Pentecost when, the, uh, when there was this rushing mighty wind and then the tongues of fire that, that sat upon their heads and they spoke in foreign languages that other people could understand. And he preached this powerful, mighty uh, uh, message and stuff. And Peter said, his eyes bulged open and he said, what we had, that wasn't it. This is it. He said, this is what the prophet Joel was talking about. This is what we've been anticipating. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been praying and anticipating for all these centuries. This is it. This is different than what we've had. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the outpouring. Let's take another look at that, at John the Baptist prophecy that we saw before. He on whom, and we'll take a little closer look at it here. He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who, what? Baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Thank you. He who baptizes, that is, that is a present participle. That means it's timeless. This verb or this participle is timeless. It means literally, he who is continually baptizing. It, just does, it doesn't mean he who baptized one time, punctilier point in, pa, in the past, he who continues to be continually baptizing. The same grammatical construction is used of John the Baptist. And uh, look what it says. Some were saying, John the baptizer, literally the one baptizing, it's the same participle has been raised from the dead, and for this reason this, the, these powers are at work, at him. John was called the baptizer, or one baptizing, because it was characteristic of his ministry to baptize with water. It wasn't John from uh, Salem; It was John the, bapti- uh, the baptizer. Oh, that John. Yeah, the one baptizing all the time. That, he was, it was characteristic of him. So too, John the Baptist turns around and calls Jesus a baptizer. It was Jesus the Baptist, or Jesus the baptizer, or the one baptizing. The characteristic of his ministry would be that he would be baptizing with the Holy Spirit. Wow. This continuing idea is strengthened just two verses earlier in verse 29. Take a look at what it says in verse 29. It says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, who what? Helps me with that. Help Takes away the sin of the world. That's the same grammatical construction. Jesus is, what he's saying is, Behold the Lamb of God who is continually, continually, continually taking away the sins of the world. When you got saved, did Jesus take away your sins? Yes or no? He forgave and remitted your sins. Amen. Aren't you glad? Say amen to that. Oh yeah. I know you're glad and I'm glad that he did it and he continues to do it he didn't do it one time he continues to do it every every day thousands of believers throughout the world or thousands of people throughout the world continually are are believing in him are repenting of their sins and when they repent of their sins he forgives and remits them because jesus is the one who is continually 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 taking away the sins of the world amen he never stops he didn't do it just one time. He never stops. Now, that's very instructive. Uh, because if we, uh, if we put verse 29 and 33 together, we discover that the characteristic work of Jesus is twofold, the removal and bestowal. Take a look what it says. Back to verse 33. So we just saw, behold the Lamb of God who is taking away continually the sin of the world. And now it says, he whom you see the Spirit descend on and remain. This is the one, excuse me, the one who is continually what? Baptizing in the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit. These are the two great gifts of Jesus Christ our Savior to us. This is exactly what the Old Testament prophets had predicted. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel said, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be what? Clean. Clean. I'll sprinkle water on you, you will be clean. Oh, taking away the sin of the world. That's the the prediction. That's the prophecy. And then Ezekiel says one more thing. He says, and I will what? What? Put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. There it is. Taking away the sins of the world and giving you the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament predicted that. Wow, that's powerful. And and this is exactly what the New Testament apostles declared. At Pentecost, Peter cried out. He said, repent and be baptized to every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the what? Forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Or the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow, there it is again. We must never conceive, uh, I mean, just think of that. The unity of Scripture, New Testament, Old Testament, they're all saying the same thing. And we must never, uh, 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 and Peter assured all who were listening that anyone who would repent and believe would receive from God two free gifts, forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now let me say what I've been trying to say three times already. We must never conceive of salvation in purely negative terms, as if it consisted only of our rescue from sin, guilt, wrath, and death. Thank God it is all of these. Amen? I am thankful for that, and so are you. I'm very, very grateful for that. I'm glad that not only did he forgive my sins, I'm glad that he took away the guilt that makes me feel shameful and think about it every time I think of the things that I've done. I'm glad I don't have to live with that with those feelings anymore, amen? amen. Oh yeah, and I'm glad that he that he sets me free. That's why we have an encounter, God retreat, exactly to emphasize that part. But it also includes the positive blessings of the Holy Spirit to regenerate, to indwell, to liberate, and transform us. Did you know that the reason you've changed, and some, when you got saved, people have said have said to you, uh, "Man, you're different." That's a good thing when they say that. Usually, right. <laughs> I, usually that's a that's a good thing. Did you know the reason that you are different, the reason you've been changed, the reason that you're a much better kind of person is because the Holy Spirit who's in you. He's changing you. Amen? That's a gift. He gave it. This is a universal blessing. The birthright of all God's children. Say that together with me. All God's children. Not just a few. All of God's children. But what about the fact somebody asked, About the 120 who were praying and they received the Spirit subsequent or as a second experience of salvation. Doesn't it suggest there are two experiences a Christian needs? Salvation and then at some some subsequent time the baptism of the Spirit? I don't want to be unkind here at all because I do believe that people have experiences after. And we're going to address that in a few minutes. So don't turn me off yet if you've had a second experience and now you think I'm going to poo-poo on that. Okay? Don't turn it off yet but we've got we've got to get something straight here and you'll see in a moment why let's examine this important question because much confusion and division has resulted from a misunderstanding of what happened at Pentecost recall peter in verse 38 had clearly stated that the conditions for the promise of forgiveness and the spirit were simply belief and repentance true true good that's salvation And that's precisely what happened in verse 41. So those who received his word, the word that they should believe and repent and then be baptized, were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. What a harvest day that was. Amen? Well, that would have been powerful. Amen? You go home tired at night and say, Oh, I've never seen anything like this. 3,000 believed and repented, And they then apparently receive forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. This means that according to Acts 2, we have two separate companies of people who received the baptism or gift of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. 120 at the beginning of Acts 2 and 3,000 towards the end of Acts chapter 2. And, uh, and the 3,000 do not seem to have experienced the same miraculous phenomena, the rushing mighty wind, tongues of fl- flames uh, resting on their heads, or speech in a foreign tongue, or anything like that. Yet, because of God's assurance through Peter, they received the same gift. Amen? Same gift. But there was a big difference. And, and there, there's a reason for that, because there's a, a real difference between these two groups. The 120, like the Old Testament believers before them, believed before the day of Pentecost. Yes or no? True? Absolutely. The disciples were, were believers in Jesus long before the day of Pentecost. So if we call this the day of Pentecost, they believed before the day of Pentecost, before there was an outpouring of a spirit, and that's why Jesus just breathed on them a little bit, enough to t- tickle them and, f- and, and, t- and tease them a little and say, the real, thi- the real deal is yet coming. And so they had to wait for that. Uh, the 3,000 believed and repented immediately follow, following the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. True? And so when they, when they repented, uh, believed and repented, they not only had the remission of sins and the forgiveness of sins, but they received simultaneously at the same time together the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now you and I live post Pentecost, like those 3,000, and so we too receive the Holy Spirit, are baptized in the Spirit at the moment of conversion. I know that's going to bother a few of you, but I want you to hang on to the end. Don't get upset. There's a reason why I'm laying this out very carefully. I'm laying out a foundation for us very carefully here, and I think you'll understand in just a moment. No waiting was required, and no waiting is required for us. When we get saved, we can tell a person, and by the way, we should be. We shouldn't just be saying, you got saved so you don't go to hell. So now you can go live like hell. No. You got saved, and God saved you from your sin and your guilt and the and, the de- and death and from hell and all of those things. But now, do you know what he put in you? He put a Holy Spirit in you, and I'm going to tell you why, and I will tell you why in just a minute. You don't have to wait. So Paul also made this clear in Galatians chapter 3. He said, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith or or by hearing with faith so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith? Now the context makes it clear that this faith is saving faith, not some post-conversion act of faith for a second experience. Again, I'm not negating experience, post-experience. I, too, have experienced something. But what I'm telling you is, this ain't it. This isn't what it is called. And that's what we've got to get straight, and I'll show you in just a minute. The context makes it clear. This is talking about saving faith. In fact, we'll look at the context a little bit. Take, take a look at two verses, for example, verse 9 and 11. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. He's talking about saving faith. True? Let's look at verse 11. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. Very clearly he's talking about salvation. Justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by what? You get saved by faith. That was Martin Luther's mantra. He finally, he saw the light. The Holy Spirit illuminated that and he saw that. That's why Paul taught the church at Corinth... In chapter twelve, he said, "For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. How many? How many? All, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and uh, what? All were made to drink of one Spirit. All were baptized in the Spirit at Corinth, and it wasn't because they were only uh, because there were only spiritual non Christians in the church at Corinth. No." The whole letter is about correcting people who are not spiritual. In fact, Paul says to them (laughs) in chapter 3, he said, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people. Anytime you see the word spiritual, it means like spirit-filled. But as to, what's the word? Carnal. Carnal as to babes in Christ. Paul said that they were not spiritual but carnal. Yet he said that they, all of them... How many of them? Does that include the spiritual ones? Does it include the spiritual ones? Yes. Does it include the carnal ones? Yeah, the whole lot of them. He said they were all baptized in the spirit. The point is you don't and, and this is really important. Now you gotta get this. Now you're gonna it's start it's gonna start to get clear. You're gonna come through the fog now. The point is you don't get the spirit because you're good and spiritual. No, it's not because I'm so holy, and now God wants to just bless me and baptize me in the Spirit. No, no, that's missing the point. The point is you get baptized in the Spirit because, so that God can make you good and spiritual. The point is you and I can't make ourselves good or spiritual by ourselves. Amen? Amen? We need the Holy Spirit for that. And so God in His goodness and and His grace and His mercy and love says, I'm going to pour the Spirit on you. And then you can become spiritual. And you can grow in these things. Isn't He good? Oh, say God is good. Oh yeah, God is good. Every single believer needs the Holy Spirit and every believer has the Holy Spirit, period. In fact, Paul said... If anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he does not what? He doesn't even belong to Christ. He doesn't even belong to Christ. And every believer received the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion by something the Bible calls baptism in or with the, with the Spirit. All who believe and repent receive two gifts, forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit to help them live right. And that's why, I'd remember the verse before I said, watch for this word later, and that's why he was called the helper, because he would help you and I to become like Christ, to have Christ form. He is the one who helps us or forms Christ in us. Now we have to cooperate with him, and that's why God says, uh, "Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, but it's the helper who actually produces the things and helps us along to become like Christ. Aren't you grateful to the Holy Spirit Helper? Yes. Say, thank you, Holy Spirit Helper. Yeah. And that's why he's called that. And I will ask the Father, Jesus said, and he will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. This is still the norm today. We receive the Holy Spirit to help us become like Jesus. Now, this is what I want you to do. A little exercise. They worked in the other two services, so I'd like you to try it. Turn to someone uh, near you right now. Just turn to them. And hold your posture there. Don't look at me. Because I'm going to have you say something to them. And I want you... And they... One says it... You know, A says it to B and B says it to A. All right? So here, I want you to follow me and repeat after me. Here it goes. Say it to the person you're looking at. If you have believed and repented... Very good. You have already received the promise... Of the Holy Spirit living in you. You have already been baptized in the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can help you become like Jesus. Amen. 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 Right? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Now, to the point of why this is so important to get this right. And and hang on about the experience thing. We're getting to that. Why is this so important? Why, Ray, are you dotting I's and crossing T's on this one? And, 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 and dissecting so carefully? Well, here's the first reason. It has created confusion and division. Based on, some ex, uh, on an experience that some well-meaning believers have directly stated or implied, that some believers have this, uh, uh, that's, that some believers have a spirit and some don't. It has created a group of haves and have-nots within the body of Christ based on an experience that people have had. And I've had experience too. I'm going to address that in just in a few moments. There's nothing wrong with the experience. The problem is we've, we've mislabeled this whole thing. And so it has created division between denominations in the world, between churches within denominations, and within believers within the body of Christ. And it and it's got to stop. Amen? Amen. Amen. Number 2. It has fostered pride. In some, not all, but in some who have had a special Holy Spirit experience, it makes them feel superior to those who haven't. So they go around, "Well, I must be special." See, if you think that the Holy Spirit is some, the baptism of the Spirit is something that a select few get, Later on, or because you were good enough or holy enough, you know, you raise your hands in worship, and and you close your eyes, and you're just amazing. And I do too. I'm not against that. But that is not proof of anything. Amen? It isn't proof of anything. And it has caused some to say, go around and say, uh, <clears throat> I've been baptized in the Spirit. Have you? And the person goes, well, I guess not. And then they... Uh, now, they may not do this, but they will feel it. They may have false humility that goes with it. And that's a problem. Third, it, and because of that, it has stunted the spiritual growth of some of those who have had an experience because they reason they must already be spiritually mature in order to have received such a Holy Spirit experience. Does that make sense? See, if you think that the reason you got this, this experience... And you call it the baptism of the Spirit, the reason you got it is because God favors you because you're kind of special. You know, you're Ray. <laughs> then you are going to come to the conclusion, without stating it out loud, you're going to come to the conclusion in your heart that you must be doing pretty good, at least better than the rest of you. Amen? And as a result, instead of saying, Oh, Holy Spirit, I humbly bow before you. I need you so desperately because I want you to form Christ in me. I, I want to mature. I'm not, I'm not as mature as I should, and I'm so glad you reside in me. I'm glad I've been baptized into, into your sphere. I thank you that you're in me and with me, and I really need you to form Christ in me. Instead of that humble attitude, you come to the point where, I don't need it. I'm doing pretty good you see the problem and then our growth is stunted that's why it's so important to get this right and that's why many churches who've accepted the things of the spirit even as we have we are have become hotbeds of confusion and carnality and division now the question comes up does that mean that those who report a holy spirit experience subsequent to salvation are misguided or wrong no they may have had an additional experience, and I'm glad they did, but they labeled it wrong, incorrectly. For example, many years ago, I was going to college, and, and uh, we were in a church service one evening, and uh, Fran and I were sitting next to each other, and the and, uh, service was going fine, but I got a really bad headache. So I leaned over to her, and I said, honey, do you got a couple of Advil? And she looks in her purse and says, yep, pulls out a little bottle, and... Uh, uh, of Advil and, and, and I took two pills and within a few minutes my head started spinning and I got groggy. I could hardly stay awake. Everything was spinning. I was hearing buzzing in my ears and stuff like that. And I thought, what on earth is the matter with me? I, f- I finally leaned over her and said, honey, I, 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 I don't know what's the matter with me. I described what was happening and all, her eyes grew wide and she said, oh my, I put Sinutab in the Advil bottle. It was mislabeled, Uh, and that's exactly what is happening in many churches. They've become what they have become because they've mislabeled it. It's very, very dangerous when we do that, right? So here's the rule. (laughs) We got a rule. Here it comes, and it's a green one because we got to stay in the green and not in the yellow and red, right? We've been talking about that. Don't ask another believer if they've received the baptism of the Spirit. They already have. And your question implies that they haven't. So we're not going to do it. I won't do it to you. You don't do it to me, okay? Rather, you can say, brother, sister, I got baptized in the Spirit. Aren't you glad you did too? Amen? All right. Good. (laughs) Now let's see what Scripture calls these these subsequent experiences. Because there is experience with the Holy Spirit. There's no question about it. And uh, anyway, we'll talk about the filling of the Spirit. Now this is what happens at salvation. We are baptized with the Holy Spirit. We said that. We uh, discussed that already. The result of that baptism is that we are full of the Holy Spirit. That's the result of of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. At the moment you get saved, you are full of the Holy Spirit. No question about it. And because we are full of the Holy Spirit, we experience things we've never experienced before. Everything changes in us. And some report joy like they've never had. Some, they're crazy. They can't, they can't go to bed at night. And for a long time after that, man, they, they can't hardly. They're, and some say they have this insatiable appetite for the word. They don't know what has happened to them. Others, they just go around, they stop doing everything they're doing, and they're witnessing to everybody. And they're just bubbling. Is this making sense? Is this ringing bells with a few of you? Others report that they're praying one day, and all at once they're, what's this? That just came out of my mouth. They they get this language or these tongues that we talked about last weekend. Not, Not everybody, but some report that. And they report all kinds of things, but one thing is certain, their life changed. Amen? Listen to me. Listen listen to me. If you believed and repented, and the result of that is that nothing changed, you probably never got saved. Because you were baptized in the Spirit, and the result is you're full of Him, and something changes. You not just had your sins Taken off. It's not just a canceled check now, and you, and, and uh, okay, good. Uh, at least uh, I got my get out of a jail card free, get out of hell card, uh, you know, uh, like a Monopoly or something. And uh, no, 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 far more happened. He came. The Godhead came to dwell with you, and life, the way you knew it, changed. How many of you remember that? Ah, uh-huh. many of you could tell incredible stories here of what happened. Now, it's very interesting to me, uh, and those are the results of being baptized with the Holy Spirit, and we are, we're full of them. Interestingly, we are instructed to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to get back to this point in just a second. Do not be drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be... Filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a present imperative, meaning be continually being filled. Be being filled. Be continually being filled. Now, why would he have to say that to us? Why would we need a fresh infilling? The first one is, reason is that filling is needed to recover fullness lost by sin. Now, back to what we were talking about at salvation. You had this wonderful experience, and then something happened. Dullness set, set in. How many of you experienced that? Amen. I think most of us have. Dullness. What you started with, and it was so amazing and bubbly and incredible and wonderful. and Oh, how marvelous. Oh, you know, I mean, it's gone. The luster is gone. And you're back to just pulling out your get out of health card free once in a while and looking at it and saying, oh, yeah, I'm glad I got saved. <laughs> and you put it back but there's no, the joy is gone the luster's gone the bubbling is gone tongues maybe are gone whatever you got it's gone insatiable hunger why is that why is that Ephesians says do not grieve, uh, uh, it's because we've experienced something due to negligence disobedience and sin he says in verse 30 don't grieve the holy spirit of god another verse he says a passage it says don't quench the spirit of god and so what happens is, when we sin, the Holy Spirit is grieved and our capacity for him is diminished. That's why, after David committed adultery with Bathsheba, he prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now, why did he pray that? Because of what he was afraid because of the next part. He said, cast me not away from your presence, and then What? Take not your Holy Spirit from me, David understood what happens. When sin comes in, the fullness of the Spirit diminishes. Our capacity for Him diminishes. It's like the... Well, I'll get to that analogy in just a sec. Don't want to jump ahead. All right? So if the fullness is lost for that reason, it may be recovered by repenting of sin as David did. This is the number one reason people need filling. It is one of the key reasons why we need refilling because sin enters in and our capacity for the Holy Spirit and the fullness of Him is gone and the luster is gone and we need to get it back. And the way you get it back isn't just to ask Him. The way to get it back is to repent. Amen? Amen. That's why the Holy Spirit led us years ago, led me to form a thing called the Encounter God Retreat. Because he revealed to me that our churches, not just this church, churches in the West are packed with people who are laden down with sin. And when they're laden down with sin, they cannot enjoy the fullness of the Spirit. And so we got a lot of miserable Christians running around in the West. No wonder the world doesn't like what we have, amen? Does that make sense? And so we go to the encounter and we get a clean-up, a tune-up. It's major for many of us. And you know what's the very last session, session number eight of the Encounter God Retreat? The Holy Spirit. That's That's what we speak on Sunday morning at Encounter God Retreat. Why? Because after we've cleaned up, we're ready to be filled up. Amen? Does it make sense? Do you see what God's doing? Oh my, he's good, isn't he? He is so good. Number two, filling is needed for particular callings. God revealed to the prophet Samuel that he was, and there's many examples of this in Scripture, but Samuel uh, was, uh, was called by God to anoint Saul with oil to be Israel's first king. Look what Samuel told him. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person. ha <laughs> Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hands find to do, for God is with you. And this isn't uh, uh, this isn't just limited to those who lead or teach, though it certainly includes them. It's for everybody. Whatever God's calling on you is, if you get full of the Holy Spirit, you will fulfill that calling differently than if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you, the reason that you are are not fulfilling the calling in your life is not because you're not in the right place, but you're not full of the Holy Spirit. And so you aren't changed into a different person. You're just like anybody else out there. You see that? You can be called to be a parent. You can be called to raise kids at home to be great godly people one day who will advance kingdom. But you need filling of the Holy Spirit to do it. You can't do it without. Jesus couldn't, neither can you. And it's not just limited to him. Exodus 28, here's another way that you can use it. Uh, He says, you shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with a spirit of skill. I mean, God gives you a skill or ability and he puts the Holy Spirit in you and he wants you to take that skill to another whole level. I want to give you an example. We have 35 people on staff Uh, for a full-time equivalency of about 30. Uh, Some of us are leaders. Some of us are teachers. And then there's administrators and all kinds of different gifts that are on on our staff. Prophets, intercessors, you name it. Prophetic people, all that kind of stuff. All very necessary. Now, do you know what's one, one one of the strangest hires I ever made? A tech director. A tech director. Did it years ago. I'll never forget when the Holy Spirit spoke to me about it. And I sat down with Ryan Workington in an office and offered him a job. And, uh, and now this is the thing you don't know about Ryan. Ryan is the tech director and he oversees all the tech stuff. The stuff that you see on the screens, the announcements and all that stuff. I'm not saying he does all that. He has a couple of staff with him and then he's got volunteers besides that. But all that stuff and the stuff that's in the back and all of the stuff, he oversees that. Now, you would think to yourself, as long as you have a spirit-filled leader and teacher, you should be good. For tech, you can take anybody. Amen? Not so. Ryan is a spirit-filled tech director. He's the kind of guy that walks up to me and in tears, I'm not exaggerating right now, will say to me how he goes into the prayer room and he asks for the filling of the Spirit and he asks the Holy Spirit to guide and direct him. In doing his tech in such a way that it has bigger impact here in the body. Now you know what's one of the most difficult things to make a church get on the same page? Is announcements. I mean in most churches. And we were doing the same thing. You read the announcements and everybody goes to sleep. And nobody heard what you said. And they go. I didn't know we were having a prayer summit. So. Ryan goes in the prayer room. He's filled with the Spirit. He is fully on board with everything we do, and he practices everything we do. And he loves the Holy Spirit, and he walks with him, and he prays, and he listens, and he gets words of knowledge and wisdom and all kinds of stuff. And God begins to reveal in directing his ministry how they can do announcements in such a way that now people say, Oh, we look forward to announcements. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll come off uh, you know, from stage and say, Wow, what a message I preached. And somebody will say, weren't those announcements something? (laughs) I go, well, I guess I know where I am in the pecking order. (sighs) And you know what? They know what's going on. All this crazy nonsense you see. It's all, that spirit. You say spirit doesn't do crazy things. Oh, yes, he does. He'll do whatever it takes to get a hold of our attention. Amen. And you can use it for anything. Well, I better move on here. I have no idea where I am. Oh, here I am. Number three, filling is needed for immediate tasks, especially emergencies. Last week I told you how exhausted I was and how I prayed in tongues and, you know, in the third row there. And suddenly I had this surge of energy that allowed me to speak. And, And, I mean, what I told you was the means by which I got it. But what I didn't tell you is what I got. That energy was the filling of the Holy Spirit. And then he energized me and strengthened me to do it. Uh, Look at how, how it was used by Peter and John. They were arrested and brought to stand trial before Annas, the high priest, and the entire Sanhedrin court. Annas demanded by what power or name Peter had performed the miracle on the lame beggar. And it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people... And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. Peter and John had already been filled at Pentecost, but now they are filled again. And one thing they got through the filling of the Holy Spirit was courage. These are the same guys when Jesus is hanging on the cross, they're hiding in a room. These guys now are arrested. Would you, be, would you be shaking in your boots if you got arrested by the authorities here in Manitoba and told never to speak in the name of Jesus or you'd be thrown into Headingley Jail? Or worse, I would. And it says they had courage, these same guys. Why? Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Not only that, they were astonished because they were unschooled. They were, why were they astonished? Because they couldn't believe the stuff coming out of their mouths. Well, Jesus had, uh, the Holy Spirit had was giving them words. But remember what Jesus had said while he was still on earth. He said, when you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond to what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time, for it is not you who will be speaking, it will be the, what? Spirit of your Father speaking through you. They got the very words they were to speak. Think of how persecuted believers around the world use this today. When they're hauled up in, in court in places such as China. The filling of the Holy Spirit is powerful when you're witnessing or teaching or preaching or giving counsel to someone. And then upon release, Peter and John reported to the church what had happened. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They prayed and received the filling of the Holy Spirit. And here's a fourth way. There are many ways. You need a filling for worship. Now we, we uh, and, and, and I'll just read it here. In Ephesians it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, or with the Spirit, singing, that's a participle, describing the result of being filled, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God. We were singing the song, How Marvelous, I Stand Amazed in the garden right of Jesus the Nazarene we're singing that and uh, it is very very uh, and and this is how someone will sing a song like that if they're not spirit filled I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus The Nazarene And wonder how he could love me That's you know what it's called singing. It's terrible singing, but it's singing. That's all it is. It's not worship. Uh, after, we, after, we, uh, after the service, the uh, 5 o'clock service, Fran went, uh, uh, Fran, uh, went home and uh, I called her about 5 minutes later because I hadn't seen her for quite a while and, and uh, I talked to her just before the 7 o'clock service. Okay, so I'm hopelessly in love. But I, <laughs> I called her uh, and uh, just talked about the service a little bit and the first thing she said, uh, talks to me about is this song. She said, Honey, I got to that place there where it says he took my sin and my sorrow and made him his very own. And she said, and suddenly the Holy Spirit said, I even took your sickness, friend. And she said, she just sat there and wept and wept. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can worship. We can't worship apart from him. Did you know that? You can't do it. You can't force yourself. It comes out of something that's in you, God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? And it's the Spirit of Christ who's in us. And it makes all the difference. Now, these are just a few of the reasons why you need it. Now, somebody may object and say, well, a person who is already full of the Holy Spirit cannot become more full. For example, if you have a glass that is full with water, no more water can be put into it. It seems like that. True? But I think the glass of water is a poor analogy for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Because God can actually help us grow in our capacity for more of the Holy Spirit's fullness and power. And I think a better analogy is a balloon. Let's say you take a balloon and you go, and you blow three times. And you hold it. And it's a little bit full, right? I mean, I mean you've got three breath, big breaths in there. Now, let me ask you, is it full or is it not full? Correct, it is full. That balloon is full. But can you increase the capacity of that balloon to hold more air? Let's try. (laughs) Yes, you can, amen? You can increase the capacity. Is it now full? It's still full. But it has a, a greater fullness. A greater capacity. I mean, we know that we, if, if it said they were full of the Holy Spirit in, in, the, in the Gospels. Apparently, we can be full of the Holy Spirit. We know that we can't be as full as we could possibly be. Because if we had the full fullness of God, we would explode. We couldn't take him the way we are right now. Amen? We couldn't. I mean, the Israelites couldn't. They stood at the mountain. They said, oh, Moses, you get closer. That's too much. His capacity had been increased. We need greater fullness so that we can do greater things. So, no matter how full of the Holy Spirit we are, none of us is at the capacity where we could handle an all-out presence of God because we'd be overcome. But we can increase our capacity for Him. In many, uh, years, uh, well, many years, many years, two thousand six, October the tenth. Told the story before, but I'll tell it again because it's one I can tell. Uh, Fran and I were in Denver at a conference, and, and uh, Francis, uh, Dr. Francis McNutt said, uh, if you want to be, he called it baptized, but we forgive him for that, we know what he meant, filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, you can go to the back and you can stand, there. there were several hundred of us there, and so Fran and I looked at each other and we said, okay, Bible says be filled with the Holy Spirit, and if, if, if we can be filled some more, then let's let's do it. So we went to the back and we stood there along with uh, many, many, uh, you know, other lines of people standing in the line, and, <clears throat> and then they came and prayed over each one, and they said, "Just put your hands out like this, and you'd be praying for the f- uh, filling of the Holy Spirit." And they uh, they got to Fran first, and and all at once, I heard a little bit of rustling, and I opened an eye, and she was just lying quietly on the on the ground. And they came to me, and they prayed, and I could have I could have stood, and I thought, "Well, I'll just let them, I- I'll just I'll just let them kind of catch me, and I'll lie down," and I did. And I was laying there, and I I could hear what was going on. I could, all these things, but the Holy Spirit then, uh, suddenly there was this picture. That's a good word, amen? (laughs) We know what it is. And uh, so I had this picture that uh, I was, uh, because I I began to heave, and I started to cry. My my chest began to heave, and I was just crying, weeping, and tears were coming down my face, and I I had no idea why. I said, Lord, why am I doing this? This is kind of embarrassing. I'm just laying here, and and the tears are streaming. And the Holy Spirit says to me inside, He said, "I'm, uh, I'm fixing you. I said, well, what are you doing? And He said, it doesn't matter. You just enjoy it, and I'll take care of it. And He didn't tell me. Well, two days later, same conference, Thursday night. Uh, Dr. M- uh, uh, Francis McNutt says, do, "If you would like to do it again, you can do it again." I thought, "Wow, that first time that was that was that was great." I said, "Honey, you want to do it?" Yes. So the two of us stood up in line again. He, they came and prayed, and we were lying there. And um, this time, I saw a picture, and uh, I was in an operating in an operating room and a big curtain in front of me, and. And I was fully uh, awake, and Jesus was on the other side of the curtain operating, and I said, what are you doing? And uh, he poked his head around the curtain, and, and uh, he said, I'm replacing, I'm doing a heart transplant with you. And he took the heart and, and showed me around the curtain, it was a shriveled black thing with tar hanging, in it, and he just went and chucked the heart, and... And uh, next thing you know, he, he comes and he's got this big thing, red, you know, full of life and hell, Really big heart. And he, and he says, uh, here, here's the one I'm giving you. I said, well, uh, I said, Jesus, that'll never fit in my chest cavity. I mean, this is a big one. <laughs> and uh, he said, don't worry about it. And he put it in my chest cavity. And, then, and, and, then, and I said, uh, by the way, whose heart is that? And he said, it's the Father's heart I'm giving you. Oh, that picture. Oh, that ministered to me, real powerful. Well, it was June seventh, two thousand and seven, and I was having my devotions in my in my office, and I was uh, meditating on some things, and the Holy Spirit reminded me of that October twelfth, and He said, "Would you like to know what uh, what the Father's heart? Why I gave you the Father's heart?" And I said, "Yeah, I would like to know. What what am I? What did I get?" And He said. Uh, I gave you a heart of, com- uh, well, actually, he had told me that on October 12th. He said, I gave you a heart of compassion, the Father's heart of compassion. That was October 12th. And so he said, now, would you like to know what that compa- compassion is for? And I said, yeah. He said, you won't be working out of your own compassion anymore. You don't have to force it. And it, and it, was, it was funny. It just changed. He said, you can, you'll just work out of the Father's compassion. You will not have to work it out. So I said, well, what is this compassion that, that, that you gave me? And he said, it's compassion for the church. And I, oh, and I wept in my office and I said, God, that's exactly what you've given me. I talk to those who are close to me about the church all the time. I never stop talking about the church. The church here and then the broader church. Tremendous compassion for it because of the Father's heart. It was just an example of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And we give you an opportunity to be filled in this manner at the empower. But by far, most of my fillings are quiet and uneventful in the moment. I just realize the results later. I never come in the pulpit without praying for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Never. And then I let him take over. Well, let's look at one more thing, the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are various ways in which the power of God works through the believer. The fruit of the Spirit is the character and nature of Jesus being shown in the life of the believer. And let's look at the importance of the fruit. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am what? Gifts without fruit leads to abuse and tearing down in the church. And we've seen that in some churches. Fruit without gifts often leaves us with a happy but powerless church. And the kingdom is not advanced. Neither option is good. I'm going to use an example that I use at the empower. And uh, many years ago, we were living in Woodstock at 635 Devonshire Avenue, and we lived on a very busy uh, through street. Uh, very, very busy. Trucks and everything came through that. as uh, was a main artery, main route. And uh, one day, we had a 76 Buick boat, I called it, the big boat. And we had four kids, and that was in the day of, you know, don't need seat belts and car seat. It was a good, those were good days, amen? <laughs> and uh, just throw them in and close the door, and that's it. Well, we put our kids in there and, and uh, started the vehicle. Oh, shoot, I forgot something. Pulled up again, left the uh, car running. Both Fran and I ran in, big mistake. And to, to find out, we're coming. And when we came out, we were just in time to see this big Buick backing out of our driveway with two-year-old Stefan at the wheel. <laughs> it's always Stefan. And uh, two-year-old Stefan at the wheel, and he's backing the car out onto this busy street. And we were so alarmed and scared. And here was, uh, and here was young four-, or five-year-old uh, Julie with the passenger door open and the car backing this way. And she's trying to hold this multi-thousand-pound vehicle from going onto the street. And we were just horrified. It ran out there, jumped in the seat, uh, you know, jumped in the driver's seat, hit the brakes, drove it back up. And, oh, we just we couldn't believe it. Now, uh, this is a question I'm going to ask you. A car is a wonderful gift. Amen? It is a wonderful thing. I I, I appreciate what cars can do. They can take you farther. I mean, way better than horse and buggy at 30 below. Amen? 40 below. I wouldn't want to go around like that. I love living when I live. And, and and you can go far and you can go clean and dry and you can carry a lot of things and groceries and all kinds of things. You can go for trips and see many things all over the place. It's a car is a wonderful gift. The problem with that gift that day was there was a little fruit behind the wheel. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Little fruit. Oh yeah. I still think he is. <laughs> Immature, and I could have called him. And that's the same thing with the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And, and, uh, and uh, patience or compassion comes from the Latin meaning suffering, and we mostly learn the fruit of the Spirit through suffering, often what people do to us. And so Paul tells us to rejoice in our sufferings. And so we see some of the activities of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, the Filling of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, and we say to the Holy Spirit, "Thank you so much, thank you so much for all you're doing." And He does much more. Amen. So, how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? We repent, we obey, we pray, we speak in tongues, we fill fill ourselves with the Word, and you can attend an empower ministers retreat where you can apply. Uh, receive practical application of some of these things we're learning in this series. Note, the Encounter God retreat is a prerequisite for the empower uh, because we're talking about forgiveness at one retreat and we're talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit at the other. Both are necessary and you have the dates coming up and uh, September is the next one when you can be involved. Let's just put our hands out to the Holy Spirit one more time and let's ask him even right now in his presence to fill us even right now if there's some sin in the way repent of it now and correct it when you leave but ask him to fill you anew Holy Spirit we've recognized you today and we've tried to honor you today we've tried to learn more about you and we recognize more than ever that Jesus poured you out upon us you baptized, he baptized us in you so that, so that we could have Christ formed in us, so that we could be empowered to live the Christian life, so we could be empowered to change our families and our callings, to push back the powers of darkness. And so we welcome you today. Grant and fill me, us, now with your Holy Spirit. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation, that joy that we had when we first began, oh fill the people in this congregation right now Holy Spirit fill them and increase our capacity for a greater filling of the Holy Spirit that we might experience you in an even greater fuller way fuller measure that our intimacy with you would grow and that the enablement for what you've called us to would grow. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.